Hey, it's Carl here to introduce a new service from Pwop Studios. It's called Pwop Streaming. We can help you take your live streams and online meetings to the next level with custom virtual sets, countdowns, switching, live polling and interactivity, and a lot more. We can help at any level, from consulting to training to full-blown production. Check out our five-minute video at pwopstream.com. That's P-W-O-P stream.com. If you've had automating your ASP.NET deployments on your to-do list, now's a great time to give Octopus Deploy a try. The starter edition lets you install Octopus on your own infrastructure and deploy to IIS web servers, Azure websites, and pretty much anything from Node to Kubernetes, and they just made it free for small teams. Give your team a single place to release, deploy, and operate software with Octopus Deploy. Find out more at octopus.com. Welcome back to .NET Rocks. This is Carl Franklin. And this is Richard Campbell. And uh, still recording from Coronavirus Central in uh, New London, Connecticut over here. <laughs> uh, talking to my doctor tomorrow, and I still don't know if it's safe for my wife to come home. She's been living with her sister and uh, for a month or so. Wow. It's been crazy. It's a long so time. So we'll find out. I'm, my, my symptoms are almost gone, but, you know, almost might not be enough. Yeah. No, it's not about you. It's about her, right? Yep. 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 So, yeah, you sound so, fine. You know, this is one of those days where we're recording a bunch of shows. Right. And, uh, yeah, you, I, I wouldn't know you weren't well, but you seem you seem okay. Yeah, I'm okay. Like I said, there's a couple of uh, symptoms still left. If I could get winded if I exert myself. Right. Which I don't usually have that problem. And the other thing is this sort of a 50% uh, loss of taste. It was 100% back when I recorded the, the show from Portland, and I was pretty pretty banged up yeah but uh yeah and we had some problems with that show and i feel bad about that but we were it was one of those things where we were under the gun and yep needed to get it done and you know maybe we should have done things differently but in, in, maybe. Hi in hindsight yeah. well uh hopefully i sound better today all right let's roll the crazy music for better no framework <laughs> all right dude what do you got you know i I really should look up to see if I've done this before. I feel like I have talked about this before, hmm. but I don't care because uh, there's a whole bunch of new listeners, I'm sure, and uh, it's always good to revisit this one. So, this is an open source project called Bogus. Bogus. That doesn't, ri doesn't ring a bell. Install dash package Bogus. <laughs> <laughs> it's a fake data generator. Oh, okay. Because I know we've done one of those before, but I don't know that we've done Bogus. Yeah. Yeah, I... I don't remember to tell you the truth, but you know, there's a, there's a good C sharp example. It works with F sharp and VBnet as well. That's important. Um, it's just good. You know, you just want to generate a whole bunch of data and you don't want to take the time to be creative about, you know, how many times can you copy and paste lorem ipsum? Right. <laughs> quite, a, quite a few actually. Right now that I think yeah. about it, quite a few. So there it is. It's it's pretty self-explanatory. Know it, learn it, love it. It's bogus. Yeah. No, and useful. Who's, Absolutely. Yeah. We need sample data. Who's talking to us, Richard? Grab your comment off show 1597, the one we did in November of 2018 with one Heather Wild. 
Never heard of it. Yeah, you know. Uh, <laughs> we, we were supposed to record it in person at NBC right. Sydney, and uh, we ended up with some scheduling problems, so we did it the traditional way, like we're doing this one. And yep. this was a conversation primarily about UX and got lots of great comments. Oh, yeah. This particular one is from Cowgly. He says, hi, congrats on another great and relaxing show. Interesting. As for why UX, especially Windows applications, seems to be getting worse, I think that part of the reason is mostly a lack of standards. Empowered by the infinite flexibility of HTML5, CSS, or WPF and later UI technologies, designer developers are being pushed into the mindset of designing unique UI experience for every application. Mm. Microsoft might have published some standards, but if they don't even follow them themselves and have dozens of different UX designs, who will? And I brought up this point, right? That it used to be that Office set the UX standard. That Microsoft yeah. would make a new version of Windows, maybe have some new UI widgets and so forth. Office would come out, sort of show us how to use them, and then we'd get dev tools from that. But that's been right. broken for a decade. But, yep. And this is what Calgary goes on to say. If, if we go back to the old MFC VB or WinForms days, they all offered standard, almost identical-looking user controls. You wouldn't do buttons inside of images, inside of checkboxes like you can with WPF, UWP, or HTML. Everything looked right. a bit boring, but follow the same design with menu bars, toolbars, windows, classic buttons, drop-downs, and so on. Every application you opened looked kind of the same, but it allowed you to focus on its unique features, not the UI. Of course, right. there were some exceptions, but that was the usual way. Because today there seems to be a lack of universally agreed upon control libraries, every team is reinventing the wheel, and the result is dozens of UI designs scattered throughout even the newer Windows 10 applications, not even looking into the legacy ones. They might look kind of similar, but on close inspection, they're all different, like variations over a common abstract theme. Thanks again for a great and inspiring show. You know, I... I really want everybody to stop what they're doing right now mm -hmm. and go get Mark Miller's The Science of Great UI yeah. video. Uh, and we'll put up a link to it. For sure. Because in in the wild west of UI that we have now, we, yeah, go ahead. Make your unique designs. But there are scientific reasons why one UI works better over another UI and takes less time for people to figure out what to do with it. And, uh, you know, these guidelines are absolutely imperative for any UI. I think it should be standard viewing for any design team. Yeah. I just wonder if it, it isn't that people really come down to, I don't want to think, just lead me down the garden path of the right way. Right. And well, there, what is the right way when you have a whole bunch of exactly colors and contrasts and variables? I mean, once you understand the rules, you can put things together any way you want. Yeah, you can build the right way that makes sense. Yeah, you. you can build it the right way. And, and it comes down to saving time and money. So, it's definitely worth the investment. That's uh, not good. So, Calgary, thank you so much for your comment. A copy of Music to Code Buy is on its way to you. And if you'd like a copy of Music to Code Buy, write a comment on the website at .netrocks.com or in any of the social medias. Well, really just Facebook. We publish every show to Facebook. And if you comment there and read it on the show, we'll send you a copy of Music to Code Buy. And definitely follow us on Twitter. He's at Rich Campbell. I'm at Carl Franklin. Send us a tweet. One with a big purple button with black text on it that you can't read. Awesome. Well, okay, let's uh, bring Heather Wild back on the show. Very happy to have her here. Heather was the eighth employee of Evernote and is known as the Unicorn Whisperer. As the co-founder of the nonprofit Serenzi Global, she hosted Antarcticonf, the first technology conference in Antarctica. 
She's published games for Disney, the WWE, and Paramount, trained Fortune 500 brands, advised hundreds of startups, and managed nonprofit programs for Alcon, Starbucks, Patagonia, and others. Wilde has received commendations for her work from the U.S. government, as well as awards for mentor, coach, female executive, entrepreneur, and CTO of the year, and has been consistently named top writer on Quora. She's spoken on all seven continents and writes for Forbes, Tech.co, and the Entrepreneurial Revolution column for Inc. Magazine. Wow. And, uh, wow. Serious. <laughs> I remember reading your bio before, but, you know, it just astounds me. That's, that's a pretty amazing pedigree. Welcome. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Yeah. It's, uh, when you see it in bullet points, it's one thing, but uh, <laughs> during this, this whole coronavirus thing, like one of my pet projects has been to actually like put my awards in frames. So when you see it on the floor, <laughs> in the frames, it's quite another thing entirely. I'll need another wall. <laughs> funny. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I did the same. I dragged out a lot of the, you know, little glass things that uh, I've gotten for being part of, you know, when we did visual, when we did the tour for Visual Studio 2010, they gave us little ship it awards. I, I dragged all that stuff out, put it up on the windowsill. Maybe it's just <laughs> that time that we're sorry. But these are things we've done. Yeah, yeah. maybe. It's, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I'm not normally, those things were in a box for forever and I dragged them out just now, just like you have. That's, that's really curious. Hmm. Well, I guess it's because we're looking at all the newscasters with like, the back, I mean, it makes it look like a, they're living in a doctor's office or something. Right. So I'm like, hey, I can do the same thing because I'm on all these Zoom calls. So like make myself <laughs> look more important than I am. Right. And then you realize, wait, I guess I am important. I've done some, <laughs> I have done some things, right? Like that's yeah. as much as you could say. Hey, like, so yeah. Heather, um, this is really timely. I just got an email from Mixed Reality at Microsoft like 45 minutes ago. And the subject was HoloLens 2 shipping timeline update. And apparently, you know, they, they were shipping limited uh, editions of HoloLens 2 in November 2019. But now they're selling to those who have expressed interest on HoloLens.com. So, uh, that, it's just kind of funny how that just came into my inbox. Have you um, checked out the new HoloLens 2? Uh, I have not. I've been a little bit busy uh, with people that are working on HoloLens applications because um, the thing that I'm working on right now is helping uh, solution providers like developers that are creating training materials and, and other applications um, mm. with those things. So I'm glad that, that they're coming out with a new version of it because that's going to be uh, very useful to my job. <laughs> $3,500. Nice. Yeah. But, you know, it's not a consumer product, right? This is a this is a big company product. Right. Sure is, yeah. Which, you know, you know what I compare it to? The old BlackBerry. Remember RIM's BlackBerry? In those early days, like they shipped those little first ones in the end of the 90s, early 2000s, mm. where you had to have your own exchange server and, the, all, and you had installed a bunch of custom software and so forth to get mail onto your phone. Like yeah. it was... It was not for everybody. It was pretty much a big enterprise could use BlackBerry and nobody else. Yeah, I, I had one of those. And I, like my company made us use Blackberries. And gosh, I resisted it for so long because uh, while it was a really well-made device, I just couldn't stand having a phone that would reboot. 
uh, constantly. <laughs> 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 and, and I was just like, uh, yeah, it's great being able to email and, and use internet in a way that other phones can't do because this was before the iPhone and everything. Sure. But I wanted a phone that if I was stuck on the side of the road, I could actually like call for help. You could trust it as a phone. Yeah. And the right. BlackBerry was not that. Oh, did you ever do dev against the BlackBerry? Uh, <laughs> we ran into like individual builds of firmware required uh, recompiles. Yes. Like it wasn't even trying to work it up across multiple BlackBerry devices, but we had, you know, 30 of the same device, but with three different firmware sets and it required three different builds. It was so yeah. painful. We had a BlackBerry version of Evernote back in the day. Oh, wow. Of course you did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they, uh, um, they just, they were phone makers. They did not understand the software side of things. And they, no. it was, they were so far ahead of their time in a lot of respects, but boy, you know, building a dev ecosystem is not a trivial problem. You know, we did a, yeah. a show I'm remembering now, Richard, I think it was at OrDev with uh, somebody from BlackBerry about development. And that's the only time we ever spoke to anyone at BlackBerry. Yeah, pretty much. But the, the, the idea of, you know, connecting with a, yeah, there it is. 2010 mobility at Ordev. Hmm. And yeah, it, you know, the, the idea of getting into an ecosystem, like just that sort of mindset, it's a very different way of, of thinking. So, um, one of the last products that RIM ever came out with on their own before they, uh, they, I think they were bought by someone else and then, then went into bankruptcy, um, was the Blackberry tablet. Right. And honestly, it was probably one of the w most well-made devices uh, that of any of the tablet devices still. Um, this was before like the iPad was big too. And yeah. I, I loved my BlackBerry tablet because again, I had to have all of the devices when we were working on Evernote. I had to have everything to test on. And we had a version of Evernote for the BlackBerry tablet. But the main problem with this device, and Samsung has a problem with this too, is that it has to tether right to oh, um yeah. so like you had to have a blackberry to tether to the tablet and it didn't have wi-fi built in um it didn't like so all it did was like if if you could tether and it was like an instantaneous tether but like you couldn't do anything on the tablet unless it was near a blackberry and like eventually people were able to hack it so that like there was a wi-fi chip in it <laughs> right. like, they just didn't have it on right um yeah, blackberry's still in business but they've mostly switched over to android now yeah it's a new company yeah basically they, not, they kept the brand yeah. but it's yeah right. it's, a, it's a different thing now and i think the yeah they, their os the, the derived on qunix which was a real-time uh unix derivative is a is a different thing like it's uh, i don't i don't envy those guys you know tough to be up against iphone yeah, I mean, it, just like Palm, like they had some really great devices sure. back in the day. Like I loved my, um, I, I loved the devices that they came out with with WebOS. Right. Um, but and that if 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 iPhone hadn't come in and killed everything, I think those would have gone somewhere. Yeah. But mm. but it was just bad timing. It's it was hard to compete. Apple knew how to appeal to the masses. And they caught that consumer wave right yeah. at the right time, um, as they had done before, and uh, and and just swallowed the whole market for better or worse. 
Hey, my sidekick is still my favorite phone I ever had. Oh, bad. <laughs> I, you know, again, you talk about being home all the time, did a big cleanup in my office. I literally have a box of phones. <laughs> a box of broken dreams, Richard? Yes, my own box of broken dreams, except these are broken dreams spread across decades. Mm-hmm. So, some, you know, it's just older and older phones. It's just... Look how, and now they're all slabs of black glass. I have a garage of broken dreams. I don't know about <laughs> you, but. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> hey, so let's talk about the Air Force and augmented reality and all of that stuff. Absolutely. So, um, right now, uh, my main project that I'm working on is uh, I- I'm, I'm partnered with a uh, division of the Air Force called AFWorks. Um, and uh, this AFWorks is the innovation hub. Uh, of, of, it's a, it's an innovation program in the Air Force. Uh, they, their goal is to foster a culture of innovation hmm. inside the U.S. Air Force. What we do is we run an accelerator in Las Vegas that brings industry partners, uh, academia and, uh, government and military people together to, uh, create and run ch- challenges. So, um, right now, for example, uh, we have, a challenge called uh, Unite and Fight, um, which is part of the COVID-19 national response team. Uh, so like people in industry like yourselves can submit solutions that, that you can think of toward like how you want to help the government, uh, like how you think you can help uh, come up with responses for COVID-19. So wow. like people that are sitting there thinking, oh my God, I have a solution that, that could be helpful. I don't know where to turn to, right. um, rather than just sitting there and, uh, sewing masks in your house and then like having a whole big pile of masks that you can't give to anyone because they're not sterile. Um, then you could use this and, and say, I have, I have a secure video platform or something, or I have, uh, a virtual program that I can use on the HoloLens, for example. Mm-hmm. Cool. Hmm. Uh, so that we can do uh, uh, augmented meetings. So, like, these kinds of things that you can uh, submit. So that's just our COVID-19 response challenge. But at AFWorksChallenge.com, we're also running, I think, 12 challenges right now around uh, creating the base of the future, um, helping uh, with well-being in the Air Force, uh, all sorts of, all sorts of challenges, like with training, um, uh, some space challenges to help, uh, like with the upcoming space force and things like that. So it's, it's really interesting. Yeah. Um, the kind of work we're doing. He's got cool projects, but you know, I, I guess the space force is still a new thing and they haven't quite divvied up all the work yet. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, so it's still the Air Force. Mm-hmm. So every, everything that we're doing is aimed at uh, the Air Force itself. And then as the next uh, innovation accelerator for the Space Force comes, that'll be SpaceWorks. Um, and then those challenges will be done specifically through them. But we we may be involved in those as well. So are, are you doing uh, execute on these projects? Are you helping to lead them? What's your role? So I'm a program manager uh, here. So I help to uh, f- everywhere from the uh, sourcing of the projects. Mm-hmm. So um, finding like inside the Air Force uh, and the DOD 
DOD, like what kind of projects we want to run. Um, then helping to uh, scope them out, then executing on them. And then like right now we're in the challenge phase of, of a lot of them, as I mentioned. So mm-hmm. I'm making sure that we do outreach to get people to submit solutions. Then I, I manage the evaluations of them. And then we run a showcase and I help them go to contract as well. Wow. So the challenge phase is literally, here's a problem we have. What ideas do you have? Correct. Interesting. And so during that time, you just submit your ideas. What do you got? What are you thinking? Yep. Yeah. And it's it's more of a submit a solution. But you said you can also submit just sort of new ideas that aren't necessarily responding to a request, right? Uh, so we're not in, we, we don't want just random ideas. We want like, you have a solution for this. Like, so okay. you have something that if we were to select you to come and uh, like go potentially to contract that you could show us that like, we have something that, or that you have something that like we could actually put you on a contract. Mm-hmm. And the cool thing about this is that normally it takes anywhere from uh, three to five years to get a government contract and you have to be a GSA contractor and, and all of that. But with our process, it can take as little as 24 weeks wow. and you don't have to go through that process. I mean, 24 weeks is not overnight either, but no. definitely shorter than the normal way. Yeah. Yeah. I've I've had to go through that process because uh, AppV Next was uh, chosen as a, a minority-owned company or woman-owned company for a government contract through a third party. Um, they didn't get the contract, but I still had to go through all that um, rigmarole of becoming, uh, you know, a, a becoming a, a subcontractor. Right. Yeah. Where does augmented reality play in all this, Heather? So we have a couple of challenges right now that are looking for uh, augmented reality uh, as a solution. So, for example, one of them is leveraging technology for operational effectiveness, where uh, we have people on the flight line that uh, need to coordinate with each other. Um, so maybe you've got a uh, like a mechanic. Uh, who needs to coordinate among multiple, uh, multiple other mechanics, like a, a line manager and, and others on the, the field. Um, or maybe they're not even in the same place, but like maybe they're doing repairs and they, I mean, the same kind of thing that you would normally do in a, uh, with an augmented reality, hmm. uh, situation in a, in a manufacturing area right now. Um, another thing is for training. Uh, there's a training challenge where uh, s- simple, as simple as like, here's a, here's the overlay of an aircraft or whatever. And like, we need to hotspot certain areas for training. Um, so just doing uh, just overlays of training uh, for like using augmented reality for that. Um, and, and then there's, there's the like, possibility of, of virtual meetings. So rather than than having everybody in the same room, especially now, uh, it's it's possible to be able to have, have uh, people uh, like holographically displayed um, through AR goggles. Yeah, yeah, yeah no kidding. Cool. As long as everybody has a pair, right? That's the, that's the tricky bit. I, I know I watched some videos of demonstrations of HoloLens doing like aircraft engine maintenance. Where they, where it was not only that they, they had a real time checklist that actually was watching that you completed each step before sort of leading you to the next step, 
But in the middle of the, of the, uh, the process, he called for help from a specialist who was then able to see through his HoloLens the work he was doing and say, okay, yeah, you're doing it right. Do this and this. And they were able to continue on. Absolutely. Like they, they do have that for commercial applications, mm-hmm. but the Air Force doesn't have that. Oh, interesting. So, so we're like one of the call outs is, Hey, you people that came up with that for Boeing. Yeah. <laughs> please, please submit. Yeah. Please and, bring it here. And yeah, yeah. And a lot of times, like the, you would think that the people that, uh, have got that contract for Boeing or Lockheed or whoever, uh, would know that they could call up the Air Force and, and do that. Right. Um, but they just don't have the contacts. And so that's why they had, they go through us to reach out because we speak the language of industry. Yeah. Um, yeah. Be- because like, I'm, I'm a tech person. I'm, I'm somebody that, that can reach out to you guys and, and you can reach out to the, the broader group and whether, whether it's like next month when the, when people hear this or three years from now, I guarantee you we'll be still running challenges that it's either this one or, or another one that people will be able to look on our website and hmm. see, uh, something that they can submit to. Maybe it's just because I know Carl and I are certainly children of the, uh, of the Cold War, but we always presume the military got the cool new technology first and then it trickled out to industry but <laughs> you're describing the opposite where industry has something that that the military ought to be using hmm. well it's kind of both so the military has some really cool tech mm-hmm. but they they don't necessarily have the same applications for it as as industry has come up with right yeah and um, they also have layers and layers of bureaucracy that doesn't allow them to act as fast. Um, so if, for example, right now, um, in half of the calls that I have with the DOD and with the Air Force, we can use Zoom. And with the other half, we can't because, uh, the calls are something called FOUO, which is, um, basically official use only. Like, I mean, there, you you can't have um, private communications on uh, a non-private server. Okay. Oh. So yeah. I it, well, it, I, I, my work with the Air Force, we were in places where they had two networks. You know, the network that connected yes. to the internet and the network that didn't. The and, nipper and the zipper nets. Right. <laughs> and, and you literally yes. had to physically switch the cables and reboot the machine to use to do that. Yes. Like. And and that's a challenge as well. And uh, so one of the things that that uh, in our culture of innovation challenge that we're asking for is is help with how can we communicate with like how can we help have have communication um, between the civilians that don't have clearance right. with the military that do and at what level. Uh, I mean, I know some conversations that I have, like, I don't have clearance to talk about certain things. Yeah. And I do with others, but you don't know that you can. So, like, I've had to describe things that I'm working on without using the name of the thing that I'm working on. Right. And it's really difficult. <laughs> hey, is Project Jedi still happening? What's the status on that? Do you know? I don't know. No, you don't, you don't want to know either. It's, it's, we, <laughs> 
we had a conversation with Vishwas not that long ago. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, that where he sort of been, been on that. I think there, it's caught up in legal stuff ah. at the moment. And actually, we should take this moment for this very important message. Hey, it's Carl and Richard here to tell you that all of the NDC conferences this year are going online. You can still attend the workshops and sessions, but from the comfort of your own home. Here's what's coming up. NDC Oslo is June 8th to 12th. So go to ndcoslo.com to register. NDC Minnesota will be September 8th through the 11th. Go to ndcminnesota.com to register. NDC Sydney is October 12 to 16. Early bird discount for NDC Sydney ends July 12th. So go to ndcsydney.com to register. Check out the full lineup of conferences at ndcconferences.com. And we're back. It's .NET Rocks. I'm Richard Campbell. That's Carl Franklin. We're talking hey. to our friend Heather Wild about her work around Air Force innovation and these cool projects. So is there... HoloLens on the ground at the Air Force right now is primarily for training? So in uh, certain bases, they are using HoloLens. I couldn't tell you which ones, right. and I couldn't tell you in what uh, specific uh, uses they're being used. Um, so, and that's another problem. Like each base does things differently. Yeah, I, the, I did work at Eglin which is a big research base. You know, they have all kinds mm-hmm. of experimentation and testing going there. It wouldn't surprise me at all if they're doing stuff down there. Not that I know. I don't know anything. And I'm a Canadian. We're <laughs> in New Zealand. So when I was on that base, like I was pretty restricted about what I was allowed to do or know mm-hmm. or say or any of those sorts of things. They pretty much kept me in a room mm-hmm. and people came to me back then. But yeah, I, I mean, Eglin is like its own city. It's this. It's a mo- a massive thing in the up in the Panhandle of of Florida. I, I. It's interesting. It sounds like you're describing a big company in the sense that different offices don't necessarily know what each other are doing. Absolutely, and that's that's actually another one of the challenges that. We <laughs> have so it's like if you have a solution for that, we would love to hear it. Mm-hmm. Um, please submit. Um, yeah, but the uh, and 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 that's exactly why industry is great for this because we do have solutions for these kinds of things. Yeah. We, we are distributed teams. We, we know how to communicate with each other and some companies are better at it than others. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the things that comes up when, when people are asking me questions about it is, well, are they already using this? Like, should I submit something that like, I'll find out later that you guys already have a solution for and my answer is always, yeah, just submit it anyway, because just because somebody might be using it somewhere doesn't mean that the Air Force as a whole has decided on that as a solution. Um, and they're always willing to try things. I mean, the whole point is they have, as a whole, a culture of innovation. They want to be trying new things. They want to be experimenting. And it, it's better to try three or four different ways than just to, to use one thing and find that it didn't work and then assume that there's nothing else out there. Sure. Well, and it's good to be challenged, right? To, to say, yeah, you currently do it this way. Here's another way. Yeah. I mean, I've certainly had that experience talking to Microsoft at times about products where internally they've had a debate as well. And then you bring it up as an external person or as a customer representative and sort of press on in a different direction. And that has a lot of power. And, you know, they really value that. Yeah. 
so, there's so many projects here. I mean, it's pretty generic to say culture of innovation as a challenge. That's just a very <laughs> yeah. generalized concept. Yeah. Well, that's why you have to go in and read really what they're looking for. And mm -hmm. it, it's a, uh, I mean, each one, it, it goes into very specific. Uh, here are the, the bullet points of what does this mean and, and how you can find something to, to submit around. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, it's very it, it, interesting stuff and interesting to see the military approaching it this way. Very much the modern hackathon kind of mindset. Absolutely. Just layering in that it's military for better, for better or worse. I noticed that there's a whole, um, on AFWorks, there's a whole section. If you're interested in, you know, going for one of those contracts that are the, uh, SBIR COVID-19 interest areas. So there's a whole series of things that the air force is looking for technology wise, um, that specifically have to do with responding to the COVID-19, uh, situation. Yep. Yeah. It's, uh, uh, the more things that you can think of, uh, if you, I can bet that if you have any solution, uh, that your company is working on that you as an individual contributor have been noodling around with, you can find a way to apply it to any of our challenges right now. Yeah. Are you only interested in talking to Americans, you know, folks from the U.S.? U.S. and allies. And allies. Okay. I don't know. Allies seems like a funny concept. Are we days. allies, <laughs> Richard? <laughs> you know, most days, except when it comes to N95 masks, apparently. Yeah, <laughs> and other things. Yeah. But, yes, let's presume still allies and, and plenty of them. But. Yes. There, we have many, many allies. Yeah. Um, there's only certain things that, uh, like, allied countries would be limited in, um, but not from submitting. Uh, there may be just uh, certain things that they would be restricted from, like, maybe access to data. Um, insert, but it's not, uh, but any allied country, any allied nation would be able to submit. Interesting. Okay. So, yeah, that's a lot. That's probably a lot of listeners. I'm just thinking in terms of folks whose work has been disrupted and maybe they're looking for a project. Although, again, it still sounds like it takes months from an idea to, okay, you're good to go, get to work, here's some money. Yes. So, uh, this is not a I mean, short-term right thinking thing. Right. Right now, this is, you're in the, um, the, think of it as a contest at the moment. Right. And, uh, or in, in our terms, like you're, you're applying your abstract to see if you're getting submitted to get a, get a talk approved. Yeah. To get into a conference. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, this is kind of a call for speakers. This is a call for, for projects. Yeah. It's the call for projects. Right. And, um, we'll be starting the selection process on May 4th for the ones that I'm in charge of for base of the future. Um, and people will be uh, notified, uh, by the beginning of June. Um, if they've, if they're moving on to the next phase. So, I mean, it's, a, it's at least not too long before you would know. Right. Yeah. We're, this is kind of a timely show coming out at the beginning of May. That yeah. There's a bunch of projects that are ending soon. So, if you've got an idea, get it in. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. No question. It would certainly be 
Uh, interesting. Uh, can you talk through some projects that have gone, like you've been doing this for a while now, like how long has this been going on? Uh, so AFWorks has been around since the beginning of 2018. Um, AFWorks, uh, so the Air Force also runs, as you mentioned, the uh, Cibber projects, um, the SBIRs, and those those have been going around for much longer. We're not the only ones that, that run Cibbers. Right. Uh, so there, there's been quite a few types of uh, innovation challenges that the Air Force does. Um, but yeah, we've been running these uh, since the beginning of 2018. And uh, one of the most successful ones that we've had so far was the uh, Warfighter Helmet that uh, we ran a challenge for that. And uh, out of that, we, we've had about a million and a half uh, dollars in contracting uh, to create a new prototype helmet that is currently in testing. Hmm. Yeah, because I would think you would go to a Boeing or a Lockmart or any one of these big defense contractors for this kind of thing. Well, they, they can submit too. Right. And um, the, the interesting thing is uh, a lot of these people that submitted, submitted an entire helmet, but they didn't think outside the box. Uh, but the ones, the one that was ultimately picked was a uh, combination submission from, I think, seven different groups wow. that each had a component. So, like, one person submitted, like, noise-canceling ear pieces. Another submitted, like, uh, a type of memory foam to put in the helmet. Another did, like, the resin uh, for the helmet. Another did, like, the mask uh, the for the face, like, a comfortable mask that fit well. And, I mean, so, like, it was seven different companies that each had a component that they did really, really well. And they came together and they're like, we can make this, if we partner together, better and cheaper than currently exists. Interesting. Right. Now, yeah. did those companies pull each other together? Or was the yeah. was it the Air Force that helped assemble that team? So, what, what they did was uh, they each went in the initial challenge phase, they each submitted a part of, they said, I have this component and I think that it would be good. And they, they submitted it themselves. And then uh, they noticed... Uh, when it got to the showcase portion, like I have this, I have this, I have this, and then they just got together and they resubmitted together. So the the showcase was where they all sort of met and said, "Hey, we should collaborate." Yep. yep. Interesting. Hey Heather, um, you you mentioned before that Zoom was sort of off limits on some for some reason uh, about private and public servers and stuff. Do you run into problems with cloud resources and especially, you know, data, where it lives, where it has to live? Are there restrictions on these projects just because they're military? Uh, so you, when you're submitting a solution, uh, assume that there are no restrictions. And if if it is going to like as you are going through the, the contracting phase, like part of it can be that. Like you will work with the military to get the certifications and everything that you need from them. Right. Right. Okay. So, so it shouldn't, and I guess that's part of AFWERS's job is not letting that be an obstacle. Yeah. And if an yeah. obstacle does come up, you'll find a way around it. Yeah. Like, because say, say you are a company like Zoom um, and you're, you are willing to go through what it takes to get a contract, um, but you don't know what, uh, you're not willing on a normal basis to spend the money to get the certification. Part of getting the contract may be like, okay, the government will waive the fee 
for that certification for I you. See. Like that, that could be like your prize. Like, Hey, you're now going to be certified. Woohoo. Nice. <laughs> like, yeah, it's kind of a so byproduct like, of it. Yeah. So, so part of the, and, and one of the prizes that, that we've given before, um, would ha- has been like testing in a type of aircraft that no one else would have access to unless you had access to the military aircraft. Right. So somebody needed to test like an aircraft part and through our challenges, they got that access. Mm. So they'd actually end up at a place like, like, uh, Eglin where they have those testing facilities and yeah, that would be a rush. You're, you've got an idea and suddenly it's like, okay, well, we can fly that on a B-1 bomber for you. We have a couple over there. Yeah. And then, and then you like not only have had that testing, you now instantly are able to sell that. Like once you've proven that it works on, on this type of aircraft, mm-hmm, it's yeah. now instantly certified and you can sell it to governments. Right. So wow. it gets you through that threshold all of a sudden. Yep. Wow. Yeah. It solves a, a huge problem. <sighs> Yeah. So imagine a like relatively young startup company going through this process, like trying to find business clients, but not having the case study to do it. And then suddenly like breaking through that barrier and being able to be like, well, I am the only person that has this thing and it's tested. And how many do you want? Yeah, I'm ready. (laughs) Yeah, you can you can buy this. The fact that you were able to be tested meant you went through the gauntlet already. You're there. So it's all it solves all of those problems. That's very cool. Mm. So, this, this, clearly, I'm looking at the list here. There's a bunch of projects that are about to go into the next phase. When do you add new projects? Uh, so, you would think that we would be slowing down during the whole COVID thing, but no. The mili- we're just we just switched our our workshops to virtual right now. Right. So, yeah. um, roughly every three months comes a new set. Um, we're about ready to go. Um, we have some internal only challenges, Mm -hmm. um, for any military people out there, uh, that are listening that like we're we're about to launch a, a datathon, um, (laughs) for any data scientists that are in the air force. Actually, I think not just the air force, uh, any DOD military as well, um, that have access to the, the idea scale application. Um, but the, like so, we have a bunch of challenges that come up like every one or two months or so on our right. site. Because I got to think, like the culture of innovation challenge is kind of an infinite challenge. There's always new ideas in that space. Uh, well, the culture of innovation is specifically as part of our base of the future challenge, right? So, um, or set of challenges. Mm-hmm. So, while culture of innovation is a thing uh, that yes, it could go on for multiple, uh, it is in respect to base of the future, uh, it is very specific. Yeah. No kidding. Hmm. Yeah. And, and what that even looks like is there's so many strange things going on. I got to think all the innovations in the space area right now, the SpaceXs of the world just open a ton of doors mm-hmm. as you get the reduced cost to, to orbit. You, you have some possibilities. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. So where, what are you guys going to submit? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not me, Richard, I'm sure. Uh, well, yeah, better or worse, right? You just submit your brain. Say here. Uh, my, brain, my brain is pretty busy right now. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I certainly, I, I look at each of these and go, there's some cool things to think about in these, each of these spaces. Mm-hmm. Just yeah. of, of what new technology, especially like in, in the AI and side sort of modern technology around how you understand 
this logistical problem that is operating a, a military wing. Like that's not a trivial problem. Right. Yeah. Kind of a constant thing. I had no idea you worked on this stuff, Heather. You know, we <laughs> talked cool. about UX stuff a while ago and, and then he's like, wow, this is really interesting. Like, Every time everybody talks to me, they that's almost exactly what they say. I had no idea you did that. Yeah. I'm somebody mm. that does so many things right. and uh, uh, I always have. And it just, I, I generally only speak about the thing that's top of mind for me. <laughs> for that moment. And at this moment, it's AFWorks. Yes. But certainly it's, it's cool. an area that is tolerant to our current uh, work lifestyle, working from home. These are all opportunities here. Absolutely. Oh, and uh, by the way, uh, Heather, I sent you an email uh, about something yes. that I've been working on that I'm not ready to talk about publicly yet, but I wanted to uh, share it with you because there might be some synergy here. Absolutely. Get your opinion. Yeah. Awesome. Very cool. So, what's next for you, Heather? Staying home? Uh, yeah, I, I think uh, staying home is is going to be a big next for me. Um, I think once I uh, the, the interesting question that people keep asking is, where are you going to travel to as soon as you can? Yeah. <laughs> That's because, a great question. Yeah, sure. Yeah, because I uh, i mean, I'm somebody that is a road warrior, loves to be on the road. Well, and, you managed um, to sneak in that Antarctic conference just before everything ended. I know. I was so lucky to be able to go to Antarctica right at the beginning of the year. Um, and that, I mean, that was, that was wonderful. That was trip of a lifetime. Mm -hmm. And uh, honestly, I think, uh, I, I think my husband and I are going to probably go on and people are going to cringe at this. We're probably going to go on a cruise because we want to make sure that we support the cruise industry, right. which yeah. we do love so much. Um, and it'll probably be like up through the fjords or something. Uh, cause I, I just, I love the water. I love sailing. Um, and you've and done the Antarctic ocean. Have you done the Arctic ocean? I haven't yet. Yeah, so um, I can definitely recommend. We did that a, f a few years ago and had a great – I ended up doing a whole geek up around it. We <laughs> enjoyed it so much. Um, it's its own experience without a doubt to, yeah. to get up into the ice. Yeah, we're we're thinking about that. Like we – like so Antarctic Conf is like the first of – a series of bucket list conferences that we're going to do. Mm. And yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting, but I think, I think the fjords, I think definitely it'll be a cruise somewhere because we, we don't want cruises to go away. Yeah. Yeah. And especially with the restrictions that they're going to be putting on people, like how they're going to make anyone over 70 have a medical certificate and, and it's going to be harder for people to cruise. Yeah, without a so. doubt. And, and I think cruises are going to be very different. Like everything is going to be, you know, yeah. the, I don't think this just ends. I think Laurel is different after this. Yeah. Yep. And uh, th those are first cruises. I think about those first flights when the U.S. reopened after 9-11. Mm. Yeah. They were different. Yeah. I think, I bet those first cruises are going to be very different. Yes. I'm yeah. sure. Yeah, that's a great thought. Where are you going to go, Richard? <sighs> I don't know. <laughs> I'm, I'm probably New Zealand. Go visit the family down there. Mm -hmm. Right. I think I'll go down to Daddy Jack's. <laughs> <laughs> I I had three trips planned to New Zealand in 2020 that, needless to say, are all off at the at this particular moment. Yeah. And uh, so I talk to my cousin on a regular basis. We try and stay in touch. And uh, yeah, you know, it's funny that that's the first thing that comes to mind is like go there. Yeah. Nice. Well, Heather, thank you very much. It's been really fascinating. And I also didn't know that you were into this stuff. And it's just cool to hear about how the Air Force is uh, looking for your help 
So go. We want you. Yeah, we want you. (laughs) Not in the way. (laughs) Not that way. Thanks again, Heather. Thank you, guys. All right. Stay safe. Yeah, you too. And we'll see you next time on .NET Rocks. .NET Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net and produced by Plop Studios, a full-service audio, video, and post-production facility located physically in New London, Connecticut, and, of course, in the cloud. Online at pwop.com. Visit our website at dotnetrocks.com for RSS feeds, downloads, mobile apps, comments, and access to the full archives going back to show number one, recorded in September 2002. And make sure you check out our sponsors. They keep us in business. Now go write some code. See you next time. Got a transmitter band by the MCC.